It's that time. It's Thanksgiving week, and this is a Thursday edition of Conversation with Shelby Green, and I'm proud to bring it to you guys. I'm recording this on a Wednesday night at 6 p.m., and we're going to rock and roll and get this shit on the bro, man. So let's go ahead and rock and roll and get it done. Now, <clears throat> I'll make this clear to everybody here. Um, I had an episode recorded Monday night. I was a little pissed off when I recorded it, and then I went to work that night. I didn't really think much of it, and then all of a sudden, I started thinking, nah, Nah, I think it's Thanksgiving week, man. I'm going to go back in the archives, take care of that shit, delete it, and handle this. So, I got a pretty solid show for you guys um, for running. I appreciate all the support, like always. We are officially over, I think we're at 815 downloads for the program. Um, the road to 1,000 is going to be pretty damn nice. And I think it's got a really good, uh, we got a really good chance to do something special with this. It's been a hell of a ride. And I appreciate your guys' uh, loyalty to me and giving me a good time. Now, I will state this. Um, we're going to talk a little. We're going to give you. I'm not going to do a little college football playoff preview like I did. I ain't going to talk about the NFL, the NBA season. I'm just going to talk about the things that I want to talk about. And that's what we're going to roll with. Now, some people might have a problem with that. Some people might not. But at the same time, we got a little bit to do. And it's just going to rock and roll what we got, like always. Now, I'll start it off. You know what I got to talk about. We got to talk about them C-A-R-D. Yes, them cards, baby. Them Louisville Cardinals, man, are officially going to the ACC Championship game next weekend in Charlotte, North Kakalaki against the Florida State Seminoles. Um, first things first, I want to say uh, it's a shame what happened to Jordan Travis. It sucks. Um, and I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope he is healthy as he, he gets healthy and he gets a chance to play pro football and continues his career because it's a shame what happened to him. That being said, getting back into the Louisville versus Miami game. Had butterflies all day. I went to my kids' game, like my son's step game. I'm like, Ugh, my son's basketball game. And um, we were sitting there and um, I was watching the game and I was set and I was and uh, when he plays his game, I do the score to keep track of the score would help out, just to help out the Southport League over in Southport, Indiana. And I just thought, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, like Louisville's like I said, Louisville has to run the ball. They can't turn the ball over. They got they got to stop in spurts. They got to do this, do this, do this, do this. And I I didn't really have the dirt. Uh, excuse me, guys. I'm just waking up about an hour ago. I've had the and also by the way, I am ten pounds down. I've lost ten pounds. I got a little bit of the protein bubble guts right now, so I didn't go to the gym today. But I will go in the morning when I get off work. I promise you that. Gym is open when I get off in the morning. But. There's a lot of things that I have to talk about with this Louisville game, and we're going to get right into it. So, obviously, Louisville stops Miami in the first drive, then they go on the second drive. Plummer leads us down with some good passing, and we get a touchdown, and we start using the tight ends. Then Miami comes down, they score. They come down, they score. And then Plummer on the next drive throws a and I know people online, and I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna talk about Plummer in a minute. But Plummer did some things where that first half he was atrocious to the point I was just like, okay, this is like, come on, Plummer, this isn't the time, bro. This is not the time to pull this shit. Miami comes down, scores on that next possession. Maurice Turner gets the return to the 50 yard line. We run the ball with Isaiah Guerrero and Grando. Uh, Grando, excuse me, finishes off with with a, a touchdown. The next drive, Miami comes down, scores. And then um, Miami comes down and scores. And then, of course, um, excuse me. And then um, we end up uh, Miami. Uh, ugh, we end my scores. And then a couple drives later, Louisville gets a stop or whatever. And Louisville comes down and finally scores with like 12 seconds to go on the clock. Third quarter comes out. And, the, the you know, this is the one that bothers me. We come out there in the third quarter. And we, we go, we get down, the, we get down at the, um, we get down to Miami's 22, and we throw three passing plays in a row. And we end up kicking a field goal. We end up scoring 23-21 at this time. And we actually missed got a P, we missed a PAT. And a field goal, too, I think. I think we missed, yeah, we missed a field goal as well. But, you know, you sit there and think, like, I'm thinking, okay, Miami can't keep making these home run plays. I mean, Miami was throwing wide receiver will outs. I mean, they were doing everything they can in this game. And then, of course, the next play, Miami comes down and scores. The next drive, they come down and score. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. So they give up. Next thing we know, fourth quarter starts. 
Avon Conley comes in as a backup quarterback on a on a red zone play, gets in, scores a touchdown, we get a two point conversion. Thrash had been quiet all day. Thrash. But the play had turned and then of course and then we're gonna get down to the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. And I'm gonna break this down for you guys. And obviously this has been almost a week now since this game's happened, but I remember key spots. I will state this. I tell you what changed the game for me was when on third and 11, they were getting everything down third down. Everything on third down, they were getting the pass. And they ran a shotgun pit. Like a, they ran a, a halfback misdirection, and we stopped them for short. And I said, we just won this game. I knew myself we just won this game. I said, we come down and get seven and strive we'll win the game. And, of course, they held them to a field goal. And next play, of course. And I've seen people online with this play. Plummer throws a pass to Coleman. Coleman gets loose for 58 yards for touchdown. I will state this. If you go back and watch the play, Jamari Thrash made the move that had the two Miami defenders collide. And that's what scored. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Miami gets the ball back. They drive the ball downfield. They get down to the red zone. Fourth and goal. Miami's quarterback, Van Dyke, throws a jump ball to fucking um, to who, uh, who was the receiver. But the guy that Quincy Riley was guarding. Riley makes a play. Blah, blah, blah. We come down. We get stopped on fourth down. And then, of course, Miami about makes it back in the end zone off of a Hail Mary. And my Louisville wins, 38, Louisville wins 38-31. Now I will state this. Miami fans are crying about some calls. They were out here whining and bitching about. There was a pass interference on that, which there wasn't. They were talking about this, talking about that. And I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute. Are you going to talk about Ashton Gelati being held all day long? And I'll tell you what also was a was a point was when Kaiser came off the edge and smoked Van Dyke for that sack. I don't know how Van Dyke didn't turn the ball over. And Van Dyke wanted to give us a, a turnover too. You could tell. But we didn't capitalize on it. And Louisville, in my opinion, if you look at the, the pat like Louisville did a great job, I thought. I mean, it was it was a game Miami came to play. I mean, Louisville was outgained, outscored on the passing yards. They had Fewer penalties, and they had, and of course Miami had a turnover, a turnover as well. And then uh, of course, time possession we had it by oh, barely a minute. But I also look at things like this. If you look at Plummer, you know everybody talks shit about Plummer, but here's Plummer: twenty-four, thirty-seven, three hundred eight, three TDs and an interception. But the thing that won the game, the ground game, Isaiah Garendo, 15 carries for 93 yards, and Gerard Jordan Jaws, 9 for three thirty nine for 33 yards. Maurice Turner, 3 carries for 14 yards. Plummer, 5 carries for 11 yards. Galloway had a carry for 6 yards. And Conley had the rushing touchdown as well for 5 yards. But here's the thing I look at. Jaws is not healthy. That worries me. But Garendo has run the ball real well. And also, nice play. And Jeff Brom called a hell of a game, man. Brom called a hell of a game. Outside – you know, we go back to that three passes he threw on the in the red zone. I mean, Plummer missed Thrash that was wide open in the back of the end zone. He missed it. It's weird. Plummer will do things that I don't understand. Plummer will go out there and throw a beautiful ball. A beautiful ball 20 yards down the field, and it's beautiful. But he'll throw a check down to a fullback in the backfield and he'll, or tied in, and he'll, it'll be low. It, it, it's weird with me, man. We also want to talk about the receiving. Chris Bell came to play. Four catches, 58 yards. Coleman caught those two balls. One of them was a touchdown. Gatewood and Kerensky, those tight ends, went to work. They combined for eight catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. That was the game changer. Callaway caught a ball, two balls. Higgins Bruce caught two balls. Turner caught a pass. Lifton caught a pass. Another tight end, so that was actually a three, three tight ends got involved for, let's see, Nine catches for 102 yards, 112 yards. So that was big. That was big. Thrash was targeted six times, only got one catch in. So we we had some, we had some, we were beat up a little bit, man. And he he, he was beat up, and he wasn't. And he, it, you can just tell things were not clicking, man. They were not clicking. And uh, defensively, we gave us some big runs, but we pulled it through, and I'm very happy with it, and I'm excited about this and before I get on to my full the ACC championship preview of which and of course the rivalry week I want to talk about the University of Miami I am a big fan of college football and college basketball powerhouses old schools breathing in and still being competitive there were more Lowell fans at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Florida than the univer- than, than there were University of Miami fans 
I'm talking to the city of Miami here. Why can't you build a stadium for the the Miami Hurricanes? Why can't you build a stadium for them? Because this is kind of ridiculous, don't you think? The Miami Hurricanes, I will sit there and say this right, right now. I know the Dolphins are really good right now. I know they're popular with Tua and Tyreek Hill and those guys. I get it. But I promise you one thing. You let Miami win 11 games and go to the college football playoff one year, and the, the, the city will be flipped back to where it was. I'm just saying, man, in my, in my wholehearted opinion, the my, you, you, you got a stadium that's 25 minutes away from campus. Why are you – like, why are you – like, why? Why would you even – why not build a stadium on campus? Why not build something? Miami – those fans deserve it. That, that fan base – think about this. When was the last time Miami consistently was saying Miami's going to be in the national championship conversation? Miami started the year out four, and obviously we know the debacle against against um, the debacle against um, we know about the debacle uh, with um, with the whole thing with uh, what's it um, the whole debacle with. Um, um, the four, you know, the four downs against. Um, oh gosh, damn it! Parmalee. We know the whole debacle against Georgia Tech, where they could all they had to do was kneel the ball and they ran the ball and they fumbled. And Georgia Tech scored a touchdown on that drive and ended. Uh, I mean, they were up against North Carolina. They blew a lead against North Carolina. I mean, they had Florida State on the ropes. They blew a game against Florida State. And then they lose this game. It's just and they all oh, went down the road and beat it. Got lost to NC State. I mean, they've got five games this year where they they seriously shit were in consideration to win. They could have won at least three of them. I mean, my and yeah, I don't know. It's just weird seeing Miami struggle this bad. You know, Florida State when they when Jimbo Fisher left years ago and they fell off a little bit, but they got Mike Norvellan who's done a great job and keep bringing back that program. Florida State's back, I think. But you look at the things. I'm just like, man, why in the hell are they struggling so bad? It makes no sense to me. Not a damn lick of sense to me at all. And it is what it is. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it, and I never will. So, yeah, I'm a little uh, disheartened by that. I mean, disheartened to see Miami like this. I want them good. I want them great. I want Clemson great. I want the ACC to thrive and succeed, man, because you need it. But it's just weird seeing Miami like this. You know what I mean? So, but congrats to the universe. But but like I always say, them cards came through like I thought they would. And they handled business. And we off the shot North Kakalaki. So here's the thing about the ACC title game. Obviously, Jordan Travis getting hurt is a big deal, and it hurts. Louisville has to win out, and they have to win out pretty. I think we got the you know we got the Kentucky game this weekend against those Milecats, Kentucky Milecats, and I really believe this in my heart that my that the uh, that Louisville will win that game by 20 points or plus, 20 points or more. I don't think they're going to let Kentucky get in. I don't think Kentucky will get to the red zone in the first half. I don't think they will. I think Louisville is going to beat the living hell out of them. I think they're physical up front. I think Kentucky's offensive line is not going to handle this pass rush. And I also believe that Dennis Larry has been horrible this year at turning the ball over. And I think we will create some turnovers. I also think now Ray Davis in the backfield is going to be a problem. We're going to have to check him and fit, get physical with him and, and hold him in check. If we can do that, we I mean, obviously, we can't turn the ball over like always. We need to get up early on these guys and keep this lead and get them out of there and get, make a statement. We need to get this thing back to where it was. Because let's remember, you know, Kentucky fans want to talk about this little four-year run they've had and, you know, beating Lamar's Heisman year and stuff. But you got to realize, let's be honest, outside of that, Louisville has dominated that rivalry. Louisville head-to-head has kicked their ass. And it's going to get back to the way it is because Brahm makes sure rival games are important. Like Chris Brickley said, the running back coach of the University of Louisville said, we plain and simple, plain and simple. This is our Super Bowl. We know what it's about, and I'm excited for it. I can't wait for Saturday at noon. I'll be watching, and Louisville's gonna whoop that ass, and I, it's gonna be proud. And I make a prediction. I'm gonna go Louisville 38, Kentucky 15. Or no, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Louisville 38, Kentucky 17. I will give you 21 points. I think that's what I would go. I would even go the alternate spread on your bets and bet Louisville get 20 points. I think Louisville's going to get 20 points and beat the hell out of them. And that's a fact. 38-21, to 17, them cards, and we go to Charlotte handle business. And then next week, when they go to the championship game, after Louisville beats Kentucky this week, we'll talk about the college football playoff more, and I'll give you my thoughts on what needs to happen for Louisville. If they want to make a chance to be one of the four best teams in the country, compete for a national title. 
Now, after we get done with football, let's talk about the Louisville Cardinals men basketball going to New York City. And I will state this for the heart. I'm not a moral victory guy. Not at all. But I am so fucking proud of what I saw in New York City. Louisville should have beat Texas. Louisville, Texas was a 17.5 point favorite against Louisville. And it took Max Abrams, a guy who was shooting 6 of 19, who ended up finishing the game 6 of 19 in the field, to hit a buzzer beater shot to beat us. I, um, if, if, and, I mean, Sky Clark, I mean, I will state this right here and right now. Me and my, I've been a Louisville fan for a long time. A long time. You know, for 20 plus, 25 plus years. Dad's been a favorite 40 years. And, you know, I listen to Dad's thoughts. Dad's agrees on a lot of things. And, I mean, it's the University of Louisville, it, you know, this Texas game, you go back and look. What hurt us in this game was Brandon Hunley Hatfield and Dennis Evans getting foul trouble. And I mean this wholeheartedly. We all know that there were some techie cat calls. Louisville got hosed in that game with some bad foul calling. calling. I get it. I understand that. But the, the foul that Huntley Hatfield, everybody's talking about when he, he when uh, Max, uh, what's his face, ended up tripping and falling down or when Huntley was guarding him. If you go back to the sidelines, you read KP, uh, Kenny Payne, Coach Kenny Payne's lips, and we're going to talk about him in a minute. When he when Huntley was over saying, I didn't touch him, he goes, well, if your hands were up, they, they wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be in a position to have a, call, a foul called on you. Because – that's right. If Honey had his hands up, they're probably not going to be a foul called. He didn't touch him. Saying in general, like the ref was right there. I will state this: Trey White and Sky Clark, forty points to combined, uh, twelve rebounds and four assists. They shot both fifty percent from the field. They both shot. Trey shot one and three from three. Sky shot four or six. They shot uh, nine for eleven at the free throw line. Um, Huntley Hatfield, 11 points, 9 boards. J.J. Trainer, 11 points, 6 boards. Trey, Ty, I'm sorry, Tyler Johnson, the spark plug, baby, 14 points, 6 assists. I will talk about Tyler in a minute in the second game, but I just sat there and thought, like, they're, they're, it's starting to click. And then, you know, the next game, Louisville plays Indiana. We play, Louisville plays Indiana. And... Louisville had a seven-point lead going to the second half. And, you know, Miami goes to a 2-3 three, three zone. You know, everybody sit there, and I'm going to make this real clear right here and right now. You know, State of 68, you know, the Goodman podcast, we know he's got Chris Max titty in his mouth, titty in his mouth, said things about, like, well, they made a meme about he, he being tricked by Mike Woodson, the magician, and everybody's making fun of it, the Sweeney's of the world, you know, uh, Deaner and these guys are all running their fucking mouth about what happened. They didn't, but here's the thing. The only one that really reported that for the media was Crawford. He repeated the whole court when he said he tricked me because he never played his own. If you read the whole, uh, the whole, the whole thing, and this is what Kenny said, and this is what Crawford, this is what Eric Crawford said. As I go to my Twitter account right now, pull it up on my, and by the way, follow me at happen 2013 and you'll see me on there a lot interacting with you guys. A lot of people follow me on there anyway, but I'm going to pull this up. Where are you at, Crawford? And all, by the way, I did change my bio on my phone, on my uh, thing. A, snabbish, a snobbish little fan who thinks he's better than everyone since uh, that Kentucky defensive lineman thinks that we're, we're very snobbish and we're entitled and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I don't like the Cardinals. Sounds like a personal thing to me, but all jewelry and stuff. It feels like you didn't say what you wanted to say. It felt like... Stoops and those guys are in here saying that, but like I tweeted, <laughs> you're going to hate us even more when we're beating your ass by 20-plus points. <laughs> God, I can't wait for Saturday. They're going to beat the shit out of Kentucky, and I can't wait. I mean that wholeheartedly. So, let's see. I'm trying to find this. Ah. Oh, here we are. That's Crawford, 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 Crawford. Oh, where's he at? Oh, here it is. I listened to Kenny's quick quote in Payne's full response with context. I knew Woody wouldn't play zone or I thought he tricked me. But to be honest with you, that zone would be the last thing I think we would have a problem with because we've been really, really good for zone, even in practice. But in this game, we got tentative. We got stagnant. We proceeded the game instead of insect. Instinctively run, moving the ball, we delegate passes, and we got to do a better job. So I, I definitely agree 
with what he's saying. I mean, we did. I mean, we ran a good play. I mean, you look at the plays right now. We ran down. We got a corner three from Scott Clark was wide open. We missed it. We ran uh, the high, the alley-oop to J.J. Trainer. We made it. Then Sky comes down, throws the same pass, but if Sky took two or three dribbles in and threw it a little higher, it would have been lobbed. J.J. would have had to, got that lob, and I guarantee you back-to-back lobs, Indiana would have got out of that zone. I think they really would have got out of that zone at that time. Um, then, of course, you come down. The next play, you come down. They come down. <coughs> they come down, excuse me. Um... Plain and simple. Uh, JJ Trainer gets the uh, Henley gets the ball in the high post. He he misses the jump shot. JJ Trainer misses a you know JJ Trainer misses a mid range. Then he passes the ball out. The next play shoots a three and misses it. And by that time, Indiana's got a five or six point lead, and the game's pretty much done at that point. I will state this: Louisville gave both these games away, in my opinion, and. I think, and we also, Louisville shot horrible in this game too. I mean, defensively, I don't think Indiana's any good. I really don't. I don't think Indiana can shoot. But I think Louisville missed, they were, I think Louisville, Louisville was 4 of 16 on layups in the first half. We missed a lot of bunnies. I mean, J.J. Trainer made a good move. A guy flopped and he missed a layup. Huntley Hathaway missed a couple shots. I mean, we had, but I think the difference in this game was, and outside that zone, because people want to, you know, all these Twitter coaches out there want to say things. But the biggest issue, I think, and this, the, one of the big issues, I think, was offensive rebounding once again seven to five, and also the turnover. We had eleven turnovers to nine assists. That we gotta we gotta be better than that. And I think the squad and I think Louisville's overpassing a little too much. I mean, Tyler Johnson came in there, and I mean he didn't shoot well, but he had four assists. I mean he gave that spark plug. And you look at that lineup that was out there on the on the floor: Johnson, Sky, Trey White, Caleb Glenn, Huntley Halffield. Um, Tyler and Glenn are freshmen. Trey White and Sky Clark are sophomores, and Huntley Hatfield's a junior, and he's actually technically a sophomore because he he came out of school a year a year early. They're young, man. They're so fucking young. I really believe this in my heart of hearts. Louisville's next six games: New Mexico State Sunday, Wednesday, Barrelman at Vitek on the December third at DePaul, it's December 9th. Wednesday, December thirteenth, Arkansas State, which will not be an easy game. <clears throat> It's Sunday, December 13th against Pepperdine at home before they go they put the, the, the Thursday game, December 21st against Kentucky. Louisville can go 6-0 and in that stretch. They really can. They have a chance. Now, here's the thing. I think what helped them in this situation, <coughs> why they play so well at Madison Square Garden. Well, I think they played in front of some people, and they had some support in Madison Square Garden, a bigger crowd, bigger audience. I think that meant a lot to them, personally, in my opinion. That means people should go to the yum and support these fucking players, even though if you don't like the coach. But, you know, people always want to make excuse why they don't want to go. I'll be there Sunday. Don't worry about it. Um, I also think this, too. Mike James did not play well. Mike James was forcing shots. He didn't play well. And Mike James is important. Mike James has to play. Because I'll be honest with you. I was talking to my dad on the phone about this. And he mean, and he said this. Mike James better get the, with the program. He can't – the ball stopped every time he got the ball because he got stagnant. The only time Mike James made two really good plays, the only thing Mike James did better in the first game, the second game, the second game of the first game, excuse me, is that he rebounded. He had three rebounds the first game. He had seven in this game. And another thing, too, Mike James, like, outside catching that two-hand alley, he really didn't do anything. He for, The shot he made, he forced it. I mean, just Mike, like – like when he he dribbled in the lane, and he, like you realize they try to do that 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 post set where they throw the ball to him down low, and he takes two dribbles and goes up. Mike was taking three to four dribbles, driving, turning, tossing, talk. Like dude, just go with the ball. The ball got stagnant with his hands. It, it stopped, and you can't have that happen. So here's what I would do going forward. I know he's gonna stick with his lineup, but if I was him, and this is what I would do, and this is just my opinion, and you can say however you want to say. <laughs> I think if the next game you struggle with your lineup, you're going to have to play. People will say, well, Dennis Evans, you know, he's not ready yet. Well, you're going to have to play him. He's going to have to play no matter what. Dennis Evans is right. The problem with Dennis Evans is his his mobility. Side to side with his feet, he's not moving well enough, I think. I mean, he, he just he's, he's a puppy with big paws. He's like a giraffe, man. He's going to grow into his body. When he grows into his body, he's going to be a freak of nature. The dude is just, he, he, with that length and that size, you never know. That being said, back to what I was saying, I would literally go with this lineup. I would go with Tyler at point. I would go with Sky at the two. I'd go with Trey White at the three. 
I'd be going Mike James at the three, Trey Wyatt at the three, and uh, no, sorry, take that back. Sky at the two. I would go with from this is from the game against Indiana. I go with Trey White on the wing. I would start Caleb Glenn, and I get Huntley in the middle of the center. And Huntley's more of a power four than the center anyway. He, if you really look at, it, he's more of a four than a five. But he plays hard and he's playing his ass off. I mean, Huntley's got. I think Huntley's averaged almost ten rebounds a game. Seriously, he's been rebounding. He's been the big reason why we've been in games and shit, man. His rebound, his hustle, and his effort. He needs the ball more. But we know what he's gonna go with. But I was, I would like to see that lineup on the floor more often. I think Curtis Williams needs more time. I think Curtis Williams played well the other night. He hit a big three in the game against Indiana, got the extended lead back up to six. He did a great job with that. You know, people want to get on J.J. Trader, but J.J. will do a boneheaded play here or two, but he'll come down and he'll have a putback. He had three dunks there, and J.J. Trader can sky. And it's, it's, it's starting to click. I've gotten into it, guys, on Twitter. I've, I messaged with some guys, being positive like I am. Kenny Payne is doing a great job. He did a great job in those two games. I know the zone laps. Oh, they didn't adjust to the zone. We're a coach away from being good again. Let me may remind you something. These guys play for Kenny Payne at the University of Louisville. That's a key note. They're here to fix a program. Here's the thing. Everybody wants to fire Kenny. Fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him, fire him. Here's the thing. We have dealt with eight years of bullshit. We need some stability. We need to grow. And Kenny can get the – and these next six games are key. If they win these next six games, they win these next six games, guess what? We're sitting there looking like, hey, y'all, we're 8-3 going to Kentucky. Like, we got we got a little momentum, man. We, we are – Louisville is this close to being on the cup. They're very close. they got to finish games. They have to finish games. I mean, we had the ball in our hands up – we had the ball in our hands up on Texas with, with 30 seconds to go. We turned the ball over. I mean, Tyler got fouled on that double, but he, we had the ball in our hands. That like we there's things like that you gotta go with. You have to go with that. If you can't go with that, it's never going to work. And that's just my opinion. We have to get some stability. I know the four and twenty eight record sucks. I get it wholeheartedly. I understand. But you guys want these these fans want to jump on the gun and fire, 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 fire. Here's the thing. You're gonna fire them right now after the best. That's what we saw on Sunday and Monday night was the closest thing the little basketball we've had in four years. Playing hard, hustling, doing the right things. I mean, that's what little ball is about. I know people like Chris Mack all of a sudden. Every, all of a sudden, Chris Mack, Boucher, Fire Mack, people are saying that. I remember looking at the guys that Chris Mack was bringing to Louisville. He was recruiting. They played hard, but you weren't going to win championships with those guys, and you weren't going to sit there and make run deep runs in the tournament with those guys. He tried to do what he did to Xavier at Louisville. This ain't Xavier, but this is Louisville. That's the thing. Kenny Payne is learning on the fly as a head coach. But his players play hard for him. They play hard for him, and they listen to him. They, Kenny Payne did a great job in a Texas game. Mike Abrams just hit a shot. Now, do I think we would have beat UConn Monday night? I don't think so. I don't think we were. I don't think we were ready ready for UConn. I think we're a year away from that if we continue. But I watched Purdue and Tennessee play there, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, defensively, Louisville can lock anybody up defensively. I mean, you look at the first two games. Somebody tweeted us out that they were like UMBC, which is Baltimore, Baltimore County, and Chattanooga were shooting 44 to, I think, 45, 46% from three against us. And these last three games, I think teams are shooting 15% from three against us. And we're one and two in these last three games playing defense because we're not we're beating ourselves. We Louisville's beating themselves. I like to play UM, I like to see I like to play UMC Baltimore County and fucking Chattanooga again. I like to play them again, and I promise you this: Louisville wins those games by 20 points or more. I really believe that. They're on the cuff. They're not gonna, and eventually those shots will fall. I will also believe this: Louisville also is really, really close with a lot of things. Now I know people are sitting there saying, "Well, we got lost these two games. We should have won these two games." Yeah, we should have. But I tell you right now, the country, I see a lot more people out there that are watching. Not the guys from the State of 68 podcast. Those guys, Goodman, those guys, I mean, they continue to run Kenny Payne the fucking ground and they make a joke out of Louisville. I mean, it's wholeheartedly. The people that follow the game, the Dick Vitales of the world, the guys on ESPN have said a lot of things like Louisville is starting to turn the corner. Seth Greenberg was on the ESPN the other night at halftime saying, the Louisville Cardinals are starting. Kenny Payne is starting to get this program in the right direction. They had a bad year last year, but they had the program in the right direction before. You know how Greenberg is. Good things are coming, man. And I, I'm very God, man. I, God, 
You're fucking emotional, man. They're so fucking close, man, to get where they need to be. They are. I trust Kenny Payne. I think he's doing a good job. And I trust the staff. There's more energy on that sideline. It's getting, it's coming to it. And it is what it is. And oh, by the way, to the fans out there, or the fans quotations that like to take little jabs and not tag you in, on Twitter and subtweet you, do me a favor. At it happened 2013, you can go ahead and, and tag me what you want to say. It don't bother me none. I'll go back and forth with you all day long, and I'll argue with you, or we can have a civil conversation either way. But I'm letting you know you're not going to punk me, and you're not going to you're not going to sit there and try beating my head. Your way's right. It's just not. I'm that way, and I will continue to be that way. And for the local media down there that continue to beat people in the head about shit and try to you know flunk Kenny Payne's coaching flaws. I mean this wholeheartedly. Why don't you guys call Josh Hurd and say, I like a chance to coach. I mean, why don't you guys go coach the manager's team? Go coach the manager's team and see if you can win some games with that team, that squad. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Louisville will be 8-3 and three going to the Kentucky game. I guarantee it. Go Cards. Now let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, oh, oh. You know, I told myself this past week when I recorded Monday, I wasn't going to talk about the Steelers. Just They pissed me off so bad. And hallelujah, praise Jesus, they fired Matt Candy Tuesday morning. Thank God, baby. Thank God. Um, look, I want to make this real clear. I am not, I don't want any man fired. I don't want nobody losing food on the table or paying their bills, blah, blah, blah. But you got to produce. You got to produce, and that's a fact. They got to produce, and that is a fact. And Matt Canada was not producing. He had chances with Ben Roethlisberger. He didn't recruit, produce. And that was more on Ben. Ben was done, but he's hurting Kenny Pickett's development. And they firing him was great. Now, I know the quarterback coach and the running back coach are going to split times at the OC until the Steelers next season will get a full-time offensive coordinator. And I mean this, in my opinion, Mike Tomlin had to do something. He was losing his locker room. He was starting to lose his rock, locker room, especially offense. The Steelers have too much talent on offense to be that stagnant, that horrible. Now the question is on Kenny Pickett. Is Kenny Pickett going to shine with this, or is he going to falter? Now I will state this. The next five, four games, at Cincinnati with a backup quarterback, Arizona at home, the Patriots at home, and they come to Indianapolis to play the Colts. They can easily win those four games. The Indianapolis game kind of worries me a little bit because I think the Colts are a lot better than what people are giving them credit for. But Kenny Pickett has got to push the ball down the field and he's got to do a better job. But also the offensive line's got to play better. There's a lot of things that got to happen. And we got to run the ball. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris have got to get 10 to 15 carries a total, a piece in games. they got to touch the rock, the feet up. And it's going to have to work. Um, I just hope to see what they're going to do. Um, George Pickens has got to get involved, and Deontay Johnson has got to get more. Hand, he's got to get his hands on things. I mean, and we got Firebooth back this week. We got the things like that have got to matter. You've got to play consistently with these guys, or we're going to be in trouble. And we're going to look up and be like, "Hey, man, we're like seven and seven. And like, what's go time? We're not going to miss the playoffs again." I don't want to see this. You know, Tomlin's winning games. I get that, and I respect that, and I understand that. But I want to see wins, and we got to win. And that's a fact on that. So they can go four and zero this next stretch, this next stretch, and be ten and four. I'd be very happy. And that's going to happen. So let's see. Oh, you know, remember back in the day when back when you had freedom of speech, you could say freedom of speech and say what you want, and there was no recommendations for it. Melissa Blair and Brera, who plays Sam Carpenter in the Scream franchise, the last two Screams, was fired from the Scream franchise, from Scream 7, excuse me, for making comments about the thing that's going on overseas with Palestine and whatever, the whole thing. And she basically tweeted out that, but they made it seem like she was talking about genocide, but what she was talking about was that no matter what side you're on in this, and I'm out on no side, by the way. I don't even, I'll be honest with you. I try not to watch the news because it can be so depressing sometimes. Melissa basically said that no matter what side you're on, children should not be held as hostages or being killed. That's what she said. And she literally got fired for that. Jenna Ortega comes out today and says that she will not be returned to the Scream franchise for Scream 7 because... She 
has shooting issues. She's going to be having issues shooting season two of Wednesday. And like C3 Films said today, BS. I'll say it for you, C3. Bullshit. The two most important people that are in this franchise now going forward, Sam Carpenter's Carpenter sisters, are not going to be in Scream 7 because of this shit. Spyglass has dropped the, the ball with this one, with this franchise. This franchise was making printing fucking money. Making money. I stayed before. Scream's one of my favorite franchises. Not even just horror. I love Scream. I got a fucking ghost face tattoo up here on my, on my bicep. I got it. And I, you know, I love the Scream franchise. I'm a horror aficionado. I love horror films. Everybody knows that. But I'm going to let you know right here and right now. I am very supportive of going to theaters and supporting films. And next year, obviously, when we kick it off the YouTube channel, I'm going to do more movie reviews, and I'm very excited about that. But I will make this real clear to every single human being. I will not. I will not, unless something happens with the Carpenter sisters coming back to Scream 7 in some form or fashion, I will not go to the theaters and see Scream. I will not support it. I may watch if it ever comes free on on Prime Video. I might check it out. I might check it out then, but I won't support it. I won't spend a nickel on it. I won't because it's a crock of shit. It's a crock of shit that this has happened. You fire her for saying something that everybody universally agrees with her. She did nothing wrong. Not a damn thing wrong. She said nothing wrong. And no matter what, I agree with her. Kids are getting killed in this. What's going over on, including women, what's going on with women and children over there is a damn shame. It's sad. People are getting killed, executed. And y'all are over there, like, and people are saying, like, well, you know, you can't fit people now. You can't say what you want to say. No, 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 you can't fit nobody. Everybody gets in their fucking feelings about it makes me sick to my stomach that and I was a big fan of, of Sam uh, you know everybody had problem with the Sam character in Scream 5 and I had my issue but Scream 6 she was still in the show she found her groove her and Jenna Ortega were killing it man they were fucking killing it and of course look what happened you know they killed off Dewey you know in Scream 5 if you haven't followed the films I'm uh, heads up spoilers by the way I apologize but they kill off Dewey, who plays by David Arquette. They killed him off in Scream 5. They killed him off completely. Nev Campbell, um, they didn't give her the money that she thought she got for Scream 5, and she walked away. She said, fuck it, I'm not going to go. So there's two important characters that are not in the franchise. Courtney Cox continues to survive. She, You go back and listen to my re- review. <clears throat> I had a review on, um, I think, fa- I put it on Facebook, a review about that, how... It made no July made no sense how she survived in the last film at all, and I know slashers have a slasher for horror films. I've had issues making sense, but like, like common sense is fucking like really how the fuck does that happen? <clears throat> um, she's alive. She's still around in this, but the two people that you had the franchise moving forward with, uh, the the core four, the lucky four, whatever they call them, are gone. So how are you going to make a film about this? What are you going to do? The director even tweeted out and said, I know this sucks, but this was my my decision. I'm heartbroken by it. Like, think about that. The script was already greenlit and everything else. You think Jenna Ortega would tell them, hey, I'm not going to be able to do this because of screen, uh, Wednesday season two. I'm not going to be able to film this. My obligation to this. Like, she would have said that already. She would have said that. That would have, like, worked like she would have said like i'm not gonna be able to do this because of the screen frame i'm not gonna be able to do this because wednesday you think she would have let them know heads up like hey can we push this back a year so i can in between the the, the screen frame the um the wednesday franchise blah 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 we can push this back i guarantee you that could have happened she, as hot as a as hot as she is like with box office wise and making money i mean general ortega is printing money right now she's becoming a horror icon the new modern horror she's becoming like a modern horror icon with the film she's done x wednesday now she's doing scream i mean she's in a lot of shit and now you lit you literally you literally just lost her because of melissa she, you say whether it was scheduling conflicts you lost her because of firing melissa you can report that all you want but we all know fans are not fucking stupid you can report anything i mean but i mean we want to talk about things i mean we talk about all this you know people want to fire people for this shit but here's the thing that bothers me and i love stranger things more than anything but i'm gonna get into this 
I mean, I mean, the Noah uh, Scap controversy and, you know, yeah, he's, you know, he got caught using a racial, uh, racial slur, some shit. And nobody said anything about that. But my God, Melissa Barrera speaks up about what's going on in another country about how women or children are being hostage and being killed or being murdered, slaughtered. And you want to call genocide on that. I don't support it. She said nothing wrong as my computer screen locks up on me. I apologize. Hold on one second. She's did nothing wrong. She said nothing wrong. And I, I fucking disagree with this wholeheartedly. And like I said, I support horror franchises, but I guarantee you one thing. Plain and simple. I will not be watching Scream. I will not go to the theaters and see it unless the car, unless something works out. I will not see it at all. And that's just my final opinion on that. And I'm standing by it. Well, something comes up, I'll go see it. But until then, nope. Now, Thanksgiving talk. Um, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Obviously, today, if you're listening to the show as it comes out here. Um, I'm very, very happy with, uh, you know, you know, the, the, I'm very happy and blessed to see another year of Thanksgiving with my family. I'm very excited. Um, Thanksgiving, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for, um, I'm thankful that I've been able to do a podcast. I'm thankful that I have a good paying job. Thankful I have a beautiful family. Thankful that I got a great father. Um, uh, thankful I got a great brother and sister. Well, I got two brothers. I, I'm fearful that I have great, two great brothers and a, a great sister. I'm thankful to have a great kid that is can be very <laughs> makes me want to put him in a headlock sometimes, but there's not anything in this world I wouldn't do for him, and he knows that. Um, I'm very thankful that I get my health together and my mental health is pretty damn strong right now. Thankful that you know the Steelers are trying to change things. I'm thankful that the the Louisville basketball program men's program is starting to turn the corner. It looks like thankful for Jeff Brom what he's done, and I'm thankful for uh you know just. Being here still, and that's what should matter at all. Um, oh, by the way, have you guys seen the Monarch, uh, the Monsters, the, uh, the the Monarch or Monsters, whatever it's called, the film, the, the show on Apple TV by Godzilla? Pretty damn good. If you like monster, if you like creature features, it's on Apple TV. Check it out. You'll probably get a good kick out of it. It ties into the the Godzilla 2014 film, the Kong Skull Island, and the Godzilla King of Monsters, and the God, the Kong versus Godzilla film. Um. You know, th- I'm a big wrestling fan. Everybody knows. So, what are my favorite memories, like for th- wrestling memories for Thanksgiving? Like as nostalgia. I mean, Star K used to happen Thanksgiving week, and Survivor used to happen Thanksgiving week. I think the biggest thing I remember about about Thanksgiving was that re- you can go back and look. Like there was a theme, like for wrestling. You could watch. And back in the territory days, Christmas night and Thanksgiving night were big in the territory days where, you know, locally, the local territories will have a big show Christmas night or Thanksgiving night, both of them sometimes. And they would have a big show that night and it would be the holiday season and it would usually have a world champion would be be there, an NWA world champion would be traveling to come there and defend his world title. You would have a big grudge match, a big feud that would end or a big feud that would be starting that would, you know, things like that. So I would say probably my favorite thing to watch. On, I I love going back and watching the the original Starcade from 1983 on the on Peacock. I love going back and watching that event because it was a Thanksgiving tradition. I love going back to um. I love going back to uh. Take a sip of this water. I love watching the original Survivor Series. Obviously, today on Wednesday, 33 years ago, the greatest of all time to debut a new character called The Undertaker. Mark Calloway became The Undertaker, and the rest is history. So that's a traditional Survivor Series. My first pro wrestling memories, one of my first is Survivor Series 1996. I was three years old, but I remember watching Psycho Sid beat Shawn Michaels for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. I remember watching that live. I remember watching that. And to me as a kid, that, that memory always stuck out as Sid hitting Jose Lothario, Sean's mentor with, in the chest with that fucking camera, and then going in there and powerbombing Sean in one, two, three. And I remember Sid was technically a bad guy in the crowd in MSG, the Mad Square Garden, and I was cheering for him. I remember that. Um, just a lot of things I remember, man, like little things like that. There's a lot, like, things like that. Um, just tra- traditionally, you know, and... I think I would love to see. I know Dynam uh, AEW's got their Dynamite show. It's gonna be on tonight. They're gonna do a little program tonight that I'm gonna tune into. And we're gonna talk about AEW here in a minute. But I would like to see 
like WWE is doing more stuff like on Memorial Day weekend doing shows. I would like to see. I know they got Survivor Series this weekend, which we're going to talk about too here in a minute. But I would like to see them do a Thursday special again. I would like to see them do some some holiday specials like that. That'd be pretty cool. I think that would be really cool if they did that. But um, just some memories to talk about. Uh, full preview for Survivor Series. Um, Saturday is War Games. Obviously, uh, Survivor Series is going to be Chicago. If I was going to go this year, but I pulled out the last minute and said, nah, I got too many bills this week. <laughs> so I ain't going to go. Um, very excited for Survivor Series. Uh, going to be a really good show, I think. Personally, I think we got a, a really good... Uh, the, I'm going to pull up the card real quick on my phone as I fucking try to get this thing to work. I mean, let's see the matches we got. Gunther versus Miz for the Intercontinental title. Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark for the Women's Championship. Uh, Carlos versus Santos Escobar in a singles match. And then we got two War Games matches. We got the Women's War Game match, which is Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch versus Damage Control, Bailey, Asuka, Io Sky, and Kari Sane. And then the men's match, War Games, which is the Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre, which the Judgment Day are Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Dominic Mysterio, and J.D. McDonald versus... Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, and J.U. Yosemite Zane in the return of Randy Orton. Now, I will state this. There are five matches on the card. You know damn well Survivor Series is going to have. They're going to add more to this. There's going to be something they're going to add to this. And, you know, there's been rumors that Shinsuke Nakamura might have an open challenge and the CM may return or whatever. I will state this. If that happens in Chicago... You might well get a new roof for the building. Now, I will state this too. WWE is in prime condition to make something happen. They, they should, I mean, they're, they're, the, they call it the All-Star Center, but it's the Roma Horizon in Chicago. It's going to be sold out. It will be packed. They're going to have a, it's going to be a great time. Two rings and a cage. It's going to be awesome. But I will say this. There's only five matches card. You think they're going to add something more. We'll see what they do. But I am very, very interested to see what they do. And um, I expect uh, some high spots, some great action, and I expect it. So I'm very excited for Survivor Series. And Price and I, Trip will be doing a Facebook Live review on the Conversation Shelby Green podcast. We thought about doing it live as shows going on, but we thought it would be too much. But we're going to do it a, sh- a review probably Sunday night. We'll sit down and process and watch it. Now, also, um, talk about AEW. I know I promised you guys that I would do an AEW full gear review on the, the pod- on my podcast page on Facebook. I just got so busy last week, I didn't have time. And Price was, was waiting in the wind, and I felt bad. But I just didn't have the time. I did not have the time last week to get it done. And, unfortunately, it didn't come. It didn't happen. So, that being said, uh... I have really um, been very ecstatic that what AEW did at Full Gear. I did watch the show, and I must say, I had a really good time watching it. There were some things I didn't agree with what they did, but like every show, I disagree with on some things. Um, they did a great job with how the show. They did a good job. I mean, the the, the show in LA did a great job live. I mean, everybody's talking about the Texas Death Match with Hangman Adam Page and Swerve Strickman, and I must say. I am very good with blood and wrestling. I like it. Um, the hangman drinking swords, blood, spitting it. People had a big controversy about that. Well, I don't really care what you think. I thought it was great TV. Um, I thought Swerve getting the win was big there. Um, NJF retaining his world title. There's a lot of things that they've done I like. But at the same time, um, there are some different issues I have. Tony Khan's booking has really drove me crazy. Will Ospreay is now all elite. He signed a contract with him, so that's big. So, you know, wrestling's at a really good peak right now. Um, AEW's attendance ain't doing well, but they are making money. They are printing money right now. They're on television three nights a week, um, and they're doing really good on pay per views now. Eventually, they're gonna go. They're starting to go monthly pay per views now. They're starting to do their monthly pay, monthly pay per views, <clears throat> which makes me happy when they need to. Um, obviously, the rumor is in January they're gonna their pay per views are gonna go to max, and. Um, I'm very excited for that. That is my girlfriend texting me. Hold on real quick, guys. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. So that makes me very, uh, so yeah. But AEW is doing some good things. Now, also, um, been playing some more video games and stuff. I have been uh, out front. I am, within the next week or two, going to purchase the Spider-Man, the, the Spider-Man 2 video game. And I'm going to give a little Facebook review on that, probably. Think, thought about doing some new ideas. But also, last year, if you haven't been following the show, I did a, a movie reward, a movie award show. And I did a, a pro wrestling award show, my own thing. And I come out to tell you, I'm not going to do it this year. Um, haven't really done a lot of, I haven't went to the movies a lot this year. I haven't done a lot of things with that. I have been very adamant of next year when I go with a YouTube channel stuff, I will periodically go to the movies and watch films. That is my goal. Um, I'm periodically applied to doing more. What's going to happen with the podcast. And this is just a feds up. I'm going to do the sports and pro wrestling on this thing is never going to change. That's never going to change. Um, Movie reviews will probably be on here. I'll probably do a spoiler review, but the YouTube channel will be prime. As I hit my table, the YouTube cha- table uh, channel, excuse me, will probably be more leaning towards me doing a, a spoiler-free review. But then you can listen to the podcast, and I would do a, a spoiler review on it, and I would drop that whenever. So that's what I'm leading with. I'm not going to quit doing the podcast. I'm in a good place. I feel good. I uh, am very excited for it. Um, so I'm gonna close the show today. Um, you can follow me on, on my Facebook page, Conversation with Shelby Green. And another thing, also, I told the, somebody to run my page to put this out here, but I'm gonna say it on the show. Email me at green. Uh, email me Green Shelby at zero three one. I'm sorry. Ugh. Email me Green Shelby zero three one zero at gmail.com and ask me questions. And here's what I would ask you: You can ask me anything about wrestling movies, uh, television shows, um, uh, anything, sports, anything like that. I will make this real clear. Nothing politics, nothing about religion, nothing that is any of my personal information because it's none of your damn business. Outside of that, you can ask me anything you want. And like always, as I close my show with my famous line, and maybe one day I'll drop some merch for it. I don't bullshit. I just tell like it is straight up, y'all. Straight up, y'all. That's not what I say anyway. But anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Have a good one.